0: Anatoly Moskvin dug up and mummified 29 children, all girls and young women, and made them into dolls. His parents, whom he lived with, never suspected a thing. Allegedly.
1: One of his aunts said Anatoly placed Masha, one of these dolls, at the table during a New Year's Eve family dinner.
0: Well, Happy New Year's everyone.
1: <laughs> Talk about dysfunctional families. I thought ours were problematic, but I think that's <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to DBS, the podcast where we discuss villains and shady people every week. I'm Sandra.
0: And I'm Tyler. And yes, we talk about anything and anyone, as long as there's a dubious element to the story. It can be some geopolitical event or world leaders, assassination, celebrity deaths, spy stories, true crime, anything really.
1: Yes, anything interesting, but there's got to be a villain, right, in each story. Because as we say here at UBS, good guys are boring, villains are fascinating.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's unfair, but true. And all heroes need a villain to highlight their heroism. So you can't have the good without the bad, basically.
1: Right. So today we have a lot of bad. Actually, it's all bad.
0: It is, so everyone brace yourselves because this is one of the most disturbing subjects we've ever covered.
1: Or that we ever heard of, actually.
0: It's beyond morbid, so listener discretion is advised. And definitely don't listen to this episode with kids around.
1: Right, so today we are discussing the doll collector, Anatoly Moskvin, who was a 45-year-old Russian university professor slash cemetery expert slash self-proclaimed necropolist, researcher and necromancer, held in very high esteem in academic circles. He spoke 13 languages, traveled extensively, and was very erudite. But it turned out he was digging up deceased children, girls only, and young women aged between 3 and 25, and turned these girls into living dolls, which he posed in his apartment
0: and he shared that apartment with his parents who claimed they had no idea these were mummified bodies they thought they were big dolls and saw nothing weird with this scenario
1: i can't i mean okay fine assuming your 45 year old son has 29 life-size dolls like child dolls and the doll dolls all around the house like that in itself is a big red flag even if they weren't real dead bodies which in this case they were and Come on, how can you not know? Like, no matter how mummified they were, there was a deathly smell, I assume. I mean, a neighbor said as much. Could this be a folie a, a form of shared psychotic disorder in which three individuals have the same or similar delusional beliefs, usually by transference? I don't think that either. I mean, we'll see later that his parents stopped him from adopting a living child. So I think on some level, they knew he's all f***ed up in the head. But let's start with the beginning.
0: The horror movie began on November 3rd, 2011, a day before President Dmitry Medvedev and Prime Minister Vladimir Putin's official visit to Nizhny Novgorod. At the time, Putin was Prime Minister, but in reality, he was running the show still, and Medvedev was the puppet president Putin chose to keep his seat warm. It's important to note that Nizhny Novgorod is Russia's fourth largest city and a military research center and production hub that was closed to foreigners during the Soviet era. The reporters working on the doll collector story were told not to write a single word about this, especially before the two world leaders left the city.
1: Basically, the authorities wanted this story buried, not to spoil Putin's visit, but a news site named Criminal Chronicle decided that journalism is supposed to be free, so it ran a short article saying that Center E, the Interior Ministry's department for fighting extremist crime, had discovered 29 mummified corpses of women and girls between the ages of 15 and 26 in a three-room apartment that belonged to Anatoly Moskvin, a 45-year-old scientist. That's an actual quote from the publication.
0: And that was all it took. The floodgates broke open. This became a massive story in hours.
1: I wonder what happened to the journalist who published that first brief about the case. (laughs)
0: He was probably defenestrated or fell down some stairs. (laughs)
1: Like they all do, don't they? Right, (laughs) you know, sudden death syndrome, because it seems to be a condition striking all of Putin's enemies or anyone who disobeys him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The press initially were referring to Anatoly Muskfin as the perfumer after the Patrick Susskind novel Perfume.
1: There's also a movie called Perfume, I watched it a long time ago, I can't remember if it was good, but I think I would have remembered if it was bad, so... (laughs) Mm,
0: I think it stinks. (laughs) The difference here is that the real perfumer was actually killing women to capture the scent of their skin and make a perfume, while our boy Anatoly just dug up dead bodies, he didn't kill anyone. So the press eventually settled on Doll Collector, or the Lord of the Mummies, which is even creepier if you ask me. But let's see, what do we know about Anatoly Moskvin? And more importantly, how and when did he start having an obsession with dead girls and cemeteries?
1: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: You know what I always say, right? You can't ignore your trauma and hope it disappears. The only way forward is to deal with it. Life keeps throwing curveballs at all of us.
1: Fireballs, spitballs, too many balls. And when you're overwhelmed, you're not at your best and it affects your interactions with the people you care about. So how do you deal with it all? Call your therapist like I do. Yes, you be friends. I'm a better help. Happy customer. Been using their services since way before we even started this podcast.
0: I can attest to the fact that Sandra is now, let's say, a much lovelier person to be around. (laughs)
1: shut up, also my therapist will love hearing that. (laughs) With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues.
0: If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's affordable, it's flexible, and most importantly, it's entirely online. And you'll get 10% off your first month if you sign up at betterhelp.com dubious.
1: Yes, and then you can talk to your therapist whenever and however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. So do yourself a favor, take care of your mental health, because when you feel empowered, you are prepared to take on everything life throws at you.
0: Visit BetterHelp.com/dubious to get 10% off your first month, or click the link in the episode notes.
1: That's BetterHelp, hel dubious We already established that Anatoly Moskvin was known as the ultimate expert on cemeteries in his city of Nizhny Novgorod. We know he was a polyglot, very well regarded by colleagues in academia, and he described himself as a necropolist, which, by the way, is a term that doesn't even exist. But okay, Anatoly, okay. One colleague called his work priceless. This was obviously before the dead bodies in his apartment were found. He was also very into the occult, apparently, and believed in black magic and magic in general, which kind of defeats the whole scientist vibe. (laughs) When he was in third grade, Moskvin says that he was raped. We can neither confirm nor deny this information, but I do not not believe it. I think it's very possible, and compounded with his obsession with dead bodies and cemeteries, it might explain some things.
0: Moskvin attributes this obsession with everything morbid to a 1979 incident when he was 13. Moskvin actually shared this story in Necrologies, a weekly publication dedicated to cemeteries and obituaries, to which he was an avid contributor. He wrote weekly pieces for this publication. In his last article for the Necrologies, dated October 26, 2011, Moskvin described how when he was a young boy, a few men dressed in black suits, as you do when you go to a funeral, stopped him on his way from school.
1: So he was going home from school and this man kind of like derailed him, so to speak, and took him with them to the funeral of 11-year-old Natalia Petrova. Natalia or Natasha, which is like an endearing version of Natalia. So Natalia, she died in a very dubious way. She got electrocuted by a loose cable as she stepped out of her bathtub and tried to grab a towel, but instead grabbed a live wire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it sounds like the
0: final destination death.
1: <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, it's crazy.
0: This entire story is like a set of Matryoshka dolls. As we go through the episode, we'll find dubious story within dubious story and so on. How do you have live wires near your towels, near water, in the bathroom?
1: I know, right? Like 100% it's crazy. So young Anatoly was taken to her coffin where he says the men in black forced him to kiss the girl's corpse.
0: I have no problems there. Nothing wrong with kissing a dead 11-year-old wife.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let me tell you what exactly happened here, because I'm from Romania, Eastern Europe, and I know for a fact that funeral customs for Orthodox people, which is almost everyone in Russia and Eastern Europe, so the funeral customs include people lining up to kiss the dead body, usually on the forehead if you're not close family, and it's what is expected. I mean, or was, to be honest. Nowadays, not really. But it's completely insane and disgusting, not to mention unsanitary and just, and it's really no longer happening in urban centers at all. It's just something that still might go on in very tiny, rural, remote communities. But I can see how for a 13-year-old, if you had never been to a funeral before, I can see how this can be a shock because it is crazy and shocking that actual adults would let young children anywhere near an open casket like i uh, i I don't know I find that crazy
0: you know, I think I actually have heard of this before. it's where the term French kissing" begins okay
1: tyler um <laughs> <laughs> France is in Europe, but it's not Eastern Europe. So I think that's a geographically inaccurate (laughs) joke. I know, I'm like the joke police. And look, by the way, something similar happened to me. Uh, I was about 10 maybe, and I was on my summer vacation in the countryside, in the mountains, actually. That's where my grandfather was originally from, uh, a small village. But my grandfather wasn't there, as he had already passed away, and my parents weren't there either because (laughs) what my parents did. So in the summer, they would just park me in the countryside with my grandfather's relatives, like his sister and her kids and his kids. So with all my cousins, basically. And while they went and had fun without me, (laughs) I had my own fun there. And it was pretty cool, except that one time, a kid in a nearby village killed himself. And my cousin's parents couldn't just let us kids all alone. So we all had to go to the wake, right? It was open coffin, and it was my first time seeing a dead person up close. As I explained in the Orange Jesus uh, Trump dictatorship episode, I wasn't allowed near my grandfather's um, coffin because my family thought he might be ri- radioactive. They suspected he was killed by the Communist Security Services. So I explained the whole story. I know it sounds insane, said now out of context, but I assure you guys it's true. My life is a f- novel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I don't disagree.
1: Yeah, so this was my first time basically seeing a dead body, not to mention it was a young child, a boy, and on top of that, I mean, we all knew he had hanged himself, which is why literally everyone went to this funeral to show support for his parents.
0: So why did he hang himself?
1: I don't know. Nobody investigated, it seems. I mean, look, this was many, many years back, and they looked at it as a playing accident. But now as an adult, I think, That's BS. Nobody, no child plays like that. There was no TikTok, you know, back then with the hashtag dead hang challenge. So if you ask me, I'm pretty sure some local priest or creepy uncle did something to the kid and the kid ended it all. But that's just me. Nobody said anything about that. But if I were to take a guess, I'd bet my money on that. And I just remember, like, (sighs) he was looking nothing like I... I knew him like before, and most of all, I remember his face. It wasn't restful like he would be sleeping. You know how all these people say, oh, they look as if they're a sleeper. That's BS. The look was that of like discomfort, like very unnerving. And to this day, like his hands crossed together on his chest and his fingernails, they were purple, like the color of plums. Like I see this kid today clear in my mind. So this was definitely shocking for me because I can't remember anything else from that whole summer. Like, I can't remember anything else so clearly, but this, it's like a HD photo in my head. Like, I can even tell you the pattern of the curtains in that room. And everyone walked by his coffin, and we all had to either touch his hands, like, place our hand over his hands, or kiss him on the forehead. I just did the hand thingy, obviously, or if I kiss him, my brain deleted that part. I mean, look, it was overwhelming. And all the women were wailing and it was horrendous and by the way ever since i've avoided funerals like vampires allegedly avoid garlic
0: (laughs) well sandra you win the award for most disturbing childhood stories in this conversation (laughs) that being said there are open casket wakes here in the united states too and some people kiss the dead person or touch their hands like even now it's not that unusual
1: no, oh, and it's weird because as a child, I live a very modern life in the capital where we didn't have open caskets, you know, like and bodies kept at home for three days. And then in the summer, I went to my little village in the mountains where life was like 50, 100 years in the past with old customs and traditions and weird beliefs. I mean, elderly women were still wearing traditional clothes like from the 1700s. Like, people still believed in evil flying spirits. And if you heard them at night, you had to remain still or they put a hex on you. I mean. Look crazy. That being said, I had the best fun in that village as a teenager with other kids who would be sent there on vacation by their families. It was fantastic. And by that time, I had the whole house to myself because my parents trusted me to be on my own. Big mistake. (laughs) So the parties I threw there, I mean, they were legendary. I had a whole soccer team from the nearest big city come to one of my parties once. There was not enough space to park the cars in the yard, so some cars had to be parked on top of my cousin's cabbage crop area. It was a big scandal. (laughs) But only after the soccer players and other guests left two days later, as custom dictated nobody fights in front of strangers, right? It's bad for family image. But back to the dead kid, because it's relevant to our today's story to clarify. It's not that anyone forced us kids to touch the deceased's hands or kiss him. It's that everyone in line in front of us was doing it. So we felt like we had to do as well. Like that was the norm, the, the custom, which is what I suspect happened to Anatoly Moskvin too, when those men took him to see the dead girl. I don't think they forced him per se, physically to kiss her. I I think he felt like he had to because everyone else there was doing it.
0: That makes a little more sense. This is what Anatoly wrote about the incident that shaped his future. I kissed her once, then again, then again, and again. The girl's grieving mother then put a wedding ring on my finger and a wedding ring on her dead daughter's finger.
1: So wait, he kissed her more than the required expected one time? Like he kept kissing her? Okay, well this is where all the red flags go up and the dubimeter alarms go off.
0: Moskvin says, or as far as I could gather from text translated from Russian, that the men made him, but I don't know, knowing all we know about him now, I can see him being fascinated instantly by the dead girl.
1: Yes, and one more thing, this is another customary thing in Romania, in Eastern Europe and Russia especially, I mean like Russia for sure, if a girl dies young and unmarried, she's buried as a bride wearing a wedding dress and I assume her mom thought young Anatoly Moskvin was the perfect groom so to speak like symbolically so he obviously seemed to enjoy kissing her so probably the mom was like you know what you know here's a ring i mean how sick is this i mean i i feel like the whole story and the adult every it's just sick beginning to end
0: he also said this my strange marriage with natasha petrova was useful
1: no shit i mean he grew up to dig dead bodies and make them into dolls (laughs) also one more thing what happened in his case is very unusual the logic behind the whole bride funeral idea is that the young girl is now married to death itself, not to a real boy who happens to be there. But these customs slightly differ from region to region. Who knows?
0: And obviously, this whole episode where he's married to a dead girl switches something in his mind. Something unclicks there, and it's not good. He said that after the incident, Natasha would visit him in his dreams, and he was afraid of her. And then I found another dubious story of how thirteen-year-old Moskvin obtained a tooth from a school colleague
1: what do you mean obtained like obtained how oh my god <laughs>
0: <laughs> well we don't know exactly but somehow he put this tooth on natalia's grave and the dream stopped according to him
1: uh, but see it's easy to blame what he did as a grown-up which we'll discuss in horrifying detail in a minute So it's hard to blame that on this moment alone, the marriage to the dead girl and the kissing. I mean, his parents also say that around this time, Anatoly changed. He became very aggressive when they tried to parent him. They even took him to a psychologist who said, well, it's just puberty. And they they gave him some calming tea or something. As for blaming all his behavior on the Natasha episode... I mean, I think 80% of the kids in this part of the world had to go to similar wakes, and nobody ended up digging dead bodies when they grew up, so I don't know. But in Mosfin's case, it led to a fascination with the dead. I also noticed in my research for this episode that Western media questions his story, the one about kissing the dead girl. It's true. Coming from a similar background to similar customs and traditions, I can tell he's not lying. I can also see why for someone from the US, it might seem... I don't know, made up because it's bad, crazy to make kids kiss other dead kids.
0: So, this is how Moskvin's macabre obsession starts to take shape. And his interest in dead bodies brought on by the corpse kissing incident never ceased. As a young schoolboy, he started to wander through local cemeteries. This obsession fueled his desire to know more about death and the symbolism around it in different cultures. Moskvin eventually earned an advanced degree in Celtic studies a culture whose mythology often blurs the lines between life and death. He also learned some 13 languages and was a many times published scholar.
1: Yeah. And look, I think what's really impressive is that he self-taught like, like these 13 languages, he didn't take special classes. Like he literally taught himself 13 languages, which come on, it's, it's crazy. It's fascinating. I think this guy, uh, if he, Probably, I don't know if the dead girl episode wouldn't have happened, and maybe if he got the correct mental health help he needed as a child, he would have ended up being a genius or something. But look, while he was improving his language skills, Moskvin roamed from cemetery to cemetery. And from 2005, 2007, he claimed to have visited 752 cemeteries in Nizhny Novgorod. Quote, I don't think anyone in the city knows them better than I do. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) of course, nobody does.
0: He took very detailed notes on each of these cemetery trips. He claimed to have walked up to 20 miles per day, sometimes sleeping on hay and drinking rainwater from puddles during these little morbid excursions.
1: According to a great article from allthatisinteresting.com, we'll link it in the episode notes, Moskvin posted a documentary series of his travels and discoveries entitled great walks around cemeteries and what the dead said this continued to be published in a weekly newspaper and he even said he spent one night sleeping in a coffin ahead of a deceased person's funeral <sighs> Anatoly Mosfins observations were obviously more than just observations it's, <laughs> it's pretty disturbing
0: he was probably just doing a little heady research ah, the, the. <laughs> Obviously, nobody needs to sleep in a coffin to do research on anything.
1: Exactly. Like, this is where, like, honestly, I don't know if people, I mean, he writes about this and nobody bats an eyelash. Like, imagine if anybody else published something in a specialty paper saying that, oh, I spent the night in a coffin. Like, oh, like, how is that scientific anything? You know what I mean? It
0: sounds like a TikTok video.
1: Yeah, doesn't it? But it's it's also up anyway unrelated but for some reason this reminded me um another weird custom not in my native country but this used to happen in rural parts of bulgaria the dead would be placed in their coffins and then the coffin would be propped up at an angle and placed by the windows of the home so that people passing on the street could see the dead (laughs) person
0: oh what's happening in that part of the world
1: Oh, stop judging. Around the same time, you guys here in America were burning innocent women for being witches in Salem and slaughtering the natives. So. <laughs> well, they
0: weren't innocent. They were witches, duh.
1: <laughs> Plus, all this creepy dead people stuff, that's in the past, okay? Nobody does that. Like, uh, Eastern European cities, pe- I mean, people don't even call it Eastern Europe anymore because it's pretty much Europe. We're in the European Union and NATO, so, you know, but like, Nothing like that ever happens anymore. And all these weird beliefs about death and afterlife and living forever give us the vampire stories, which is the only thing anyone knows about Romania and Transylvania. (laughs) Like when I moved here in the U.S., whenever anyone heard that I'm from Romania, they would immediately go, oh, Dracula. (laughs) I was like, no, it's just me.
0: (laughs) So back to our boy Anatoly Moskvin. In 2009, locals began to find the graves of their loved ones desecrated, sometimes dug up entirely. Russian Interior Ministry spokesman General Valery Gryvakin told CNN that in the beginning, quote, Our leading theory was that it was done by some extremist organizations. We decided to beef up our police units and set up groups composed of our most experienced detectives who specialize in extremist crimes. But for almost two years, the leads went nowhere. The case was cold and the graves in local cemeteries continued to be desecrated.
1: But then finally, police got a break in the investigation. And the irony is that this lucky break happened because of a horrific terrorist attack at Domodedovo airport in Moscow in 2011 when two Chechen female suicide bombers detonated themselves and killed 37 people. Shortly afterward, authorities started getting reports of Muslim graves being desecrated in Nizhny Novgorod.
0: And surprise, surprise, guess who that was? (laughs) so a local led the police to a cemetery where someone was painting over the pictures of dead muslims he at the time wasn't digging up anyone so the police didn't have any suspicion beyond this is the lunatic who vandalizes muslim graves so they caught moskvin red-handed after they arrested him at the cemetery eight police officers went to his apartment to gather evidence what they found there was beyond shocking and not what they expected
1: Yes, they thought they're dealing with a regular run-of-the-mill piece of Muslim hater, but Anatoly was not a regular anything.
0: Speaking of regular, before we move on to the details of what investigators found in his apartment, the doll collection, do you know what's the opposite of regular? What? Our ad-free episodes where people can listen without any ad interruptions. Dear listeners, you can claim all our episodes ad-free if you become patrons. This is the simplest way you can support Dubious.
1: Yes, be friends. As you know, because we harass you with this info every episode, we are an independent podcast. We have no team. There are no editors, no sound designers, no researchers, and so on. It's just us two doing our best every week to bring you the best stories. We work on this podcast in our free time, on nights and weekends. And, I mean, sometimes even when we're at our regular jobs during work hours. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs>
0: So if you want to support us, please become a patron on doobiespod.com or by clicking the link in the episode notes right here in the app you're listening to us in. It's cheaper than a fancy cup of tea and we'll get you all of our content ad free and you won't be bothered by ads anymore.
1: And if you want to support us differently, you can always leave us a nice five star review on Apple. I love seeing new reviews there and it helps the algorithm show our podcast to other people who might like the type of content we do.
0: So, this 45-year-old lived with his parents in what can only be described as a small apartment in a block of flats. So, it's not a 30-room villa or mansion, and he had at least four other neighbors families living on the same floor as him. He was reportedly a loner, and some press described him as a pack rat. Inside this tiny apartment, authorities found life-sized doll-like figures.
1: Yes, and here we must talk about the YouTube video. I think... Packrat doesn't do justice to the chaos and cluster in that apartment. He was a hoarder, that's it. Or he and his parents were all hoarders. I don't know. There is this YouTube video in the article we mentioned earlier. It's in the episode notes. And it shows what the police first saw when they went there. And guys, watch it at your own peril because I did it. I can't unsee it. It's the creepiest shit I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> Agreed. I have no words. Among piles of books and newspapers and notebooks and all kinds of junk and what looks like clothes and all sorts of other things, you can see these dolls with faces that are painted but clearly look mummified. It's just insanity and they're in all sorts of places like up on bookshelves on the what looks like a chair, but I can't tell because everything is engulfed in piles of stuff. It's hands down the most disturbing video I've come across.
1: Yeah, and two of these many dolls look like they might be actual dolls, like non-human. So those two probably were just dolls he used as an example. Like when he painted the dead girl's faces, he looked at the two plastic dolls and maybe tried to replicate that look. I don't know. Like there are two dolls among the many, many dolls that to me seemed to actually be dolls. But who the hell knows? Maybe he put those faces up. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy.
0: You mean the two tinier dolls towards the end of the video?
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: those were real plastic dolls. Similar to like a bigger Barbie sized or something. I don't know but the mummified full-size body ones? I mean there's just no person in the world who could be fooled into thinking those are just normal dolls. They wore a mix match of types of clothing, from childish and sporty to some more classy-ish, I guess. Some wore knee-high boots, others had makeup and nail polish on their faces. Some of the dolls had their faces covered in fabric. He also had hidden their hands in fabric. Except these were not dolls; they were the mummified corpses of human girls.
1: And all these clothes and shoes and garments he used for the human dolls were collected from trash bins in the area. Moskvin said that uh, that's how he got all these like clothing and even the nail polish he used to paint their mouths and faces. <laughs> that even that was from the trash. <laughs>
0: Say whatever you want about our boy Anatoly, but he's very DIY.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, when police moved one of the bodies, it played music as if on cue. Inside the chests of many of the dolls, Moskvin had embedded music boxes.
0: There were also photographs and plaques taken from the girls' gravestones, doll-making manuals, and maps of local cemeteries throughout the apartment. Police even found that the clothes worn by mummified corpses, underneath some of the extra layers he added, were the clothes in which they were buried.
1: Later, it turned out that investigators found music boxes, as we said, but even squeaky toys, you know, toys that made different sounds inside the bodies, so that the bodies could make sounds when Mosfin touched them. (sighs) I can't, like, it's just... I can't... uh, it's. It's so sick.
0: There were also personal belongings and clothing stuffed inside some of the mummies. One body had a piece of her own gravestone with her name scrawled on it inside her body. Another one contained a hospital tag with the date and the cause of her own death. And a dried human heart was found inside the third body.
1: Uh. Okay. Well, Moskvin explained that he would stuff the decayed corpses with rags and then he would wrap nylon tights around their faces and then paint doll faces onto them. He would also insert buttons or toy eyes into the girl's eye sockets so that they could, quote, watch cartoons with him. crazy.
0: This is what we know directly from Moskvin. He was very much into black magic by this point and wanted to bring these girls back to life. Before he started digging them up, he began sleeping on their gravestones because he learned that the Yakut, Siberian, and Celtic tribes would do that to communicate with the spirits of the dead. But sleeping in cemeteries on cold stone was not convenient, so he brought them home to sleep on them in a convenient place.
1: That literally gave me goosebumps, like the bad kind.
0: I thought you said don't judge who people sleep with.
1: Well, I judge. In this game, <laughs> <laughs> there are limits, Tyler. There are limits to my non-judgy <laughs> vibes.
0: <laughs> this is what Moskvin says: "Quote the children I liked, I dried, resurrected, and brought home. I had my favorite children. The ones I liked less, I was planning to take them to the garage, and they lived there in the garage."
1: He also said that he and his. Children had their own language they talked in, their own holidays, and he said he did this so that when cloning becomes legal, these kids would get to live again. Moskvin added that he had done what he did because he was waiting for science to find a way to bring the dead back to life. In the meantime, he used a simple solution of salt and baking soda to dry and preserve the girls. He celebrated their birthdays and he basically. I don't know, lived with them as if they were his own children. And you can tell his explanations are all over the place, mixing scientific reasons like cloning with black magic and other nonsense. It's clear he's mentally unwell, severely unwell. I mean, not that anyone had any doubts about this by this point.
0: He said he dug up the grays of the girls because he felt very lonely.
1: Well, I feel lonely too, but look at me. I'm not going around digging anyone up. My God. That we know of. No, Tyler, that, like, for, for, like there is no confusion about that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: he said he was single and his biggest dream was to have children. Russian adoption agencies wouldn't let Moskvin adopt a child because he didn't make enough money. Obviously, this was for the best.
1: (laughs) Yeah, guys who want kids and feel lonely go to the pub or go out in public to meet women, not to the cemetery. Oh, and before I forget, I found some info about the adoption situation. The first body was dug up on May 9, 2003, and I found some sources that say this happened following a disagreement with his parents over adoption. So he wanted to adopt a child, and his parents said, No, under any circumstances, which is good. So whether it was the adoption agencies or the parents who opposed the adoption, or both, thank the universe, this degenerate didn't adopt a living child. Can you imagine? Oh my god.
0: (laughs) Anatoly Moskvin's parents claimed to know nothing of the true origins of Moskvin's dolls. Elvira, the necromancer's then 76-year-old mom, said, We saw these dolls, but we did not suspect there were dead bodies inside. We thought it was his hobby to make such big dolls and did not see anything wrong with it.
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't have children. But if I had a 45-year-old son who had (laughs) life-size dolls all over the apartment, how can you not? I don't know. After the dolls were discovered, his father had a heart attack and his mom had a shock and they were both hospitalized. So, serious question, did they really know? I mean, we discussed earlier that since he was a kid, he would become violent when he was confronted about anything. So his parents kind of left him be. Now, being elderly, maybe they suspected, but maybe they were afraid of him. Plus, from April to October, they did not live there. They had a dacha, like a summer house. And the family also had a cat, whom the parents took with them during the summer, which makes me think, you know... Maybe they were afraid to let the cat there with Mosvin. I mean, I-, I think there was some suspicion there. You know what I mean? I'm so glad they took the cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> because if any... No, I-, I mean, think about it. Like, if anything would have happened to that cat, I would die. But about the parents, there was one of those life-size dolls in the parents' bedroom facing their bed. I mean, Mosvin had named that one Masha. Allegedly, the only concern his mom had was that he talked to the dolls. And one time, one of his aunts said that he placed Masha at the table during a New Year's Eve family dinner. I think
0: this is a good time to say Happy New Year, everyone.
1: Yay! Happy New Year! <laughs> such a such a morbid occasion on this episode. But, like, it's, we're called dubious, so it is what it is.
0: Side note. Other people were invited in that home on holidays and celebrations and nobody suspected anything. The aunts, nobody.
1: That's the thing. It's like everyone around him is also like, I don't know. I don't want to throw words around, but it seems like everybody's kind of like mentally unwell or mentally challenged in a way like. It's enough to look at the video of the apartment and realize something is very wrong with these dolls. And plus, one more thing, which I didn't find in any articles. Nobody talks about the obvious sexual vibe here with the dolls. Masha, the main doll he liked, right? And the one that he used at the family dinner. It seems that was like the mother doll, like kind of like his wife doll, the mother of the other children. The fact that usually Masha was placed facing his parents' bed. The fact that he slept on top of the dolls sometime, you know, like he did on the on the gravestone. I mean, come on, it's not to communicate with their spirits, I don't think. Like, he did more to this poor dead children than just make them watch cartoons. It's so sick, it's almost unimaginable. He used to call another dead girl slash doll, my little lady.
0: Yeah, that one was identified as Olga Chartimova. She's one of the more famous dolls. She was murdered the first time her parents allowed her to go for a walk by herself to her grandmother's house. The 10-year-old didn't even make it out of the block of flats. A drug addict waiting in the lobby for a victim to rob forced her back to the top floor where he bludgeoned her to death and stole her earrings. Her body wasn't discovered for five months. She was eventually found wedged behind pipes in the attic of the building.
1: Yes, and Moskvin would leave notes on her grave addressing her as my little lady. And talking to her as if she was alive, the parents were horrified and terrified. And when they finally could afford a gravestone, because, you know, like, they were like a modest family, Moskvin wrote with sharpies on the gravestone, quote, It's not a good gravestone. She deserves a big monument. And if you don't get her a big monument, I will dig her up. He later destroyed the gravestone with an axe. Oh, and the police told the parents, we can't do anything about it. But if you catch this guy, feel free to do whatever you want to him. We won't investigate. I'm
0: weirdly okay with
1: that. (laughs) Like, no, let me tell you why. Are you serious? Like, first of all, they could have placed a camera at the cemetery to see who's coming to her grave, right? I mean, look, this is not uh, the 1700s. Like, I think technology was around at the time to be used this way. Or put an undercover cop there, okay? Like, there are ways. Not to mention this idea of parents taking justice in their own hands. I mean, yeah, maybe our first instinct is like, yeah, okay, you know, like, let's this guy up. But someone was doing horrible things to their daughter's grave, yes, okay, but what if it was a dumb teenager? You know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not trying to find excuses, but what if the father killed the teenager or whoever was doing this? Like that is just not justice. I mean, this person was not an actual murderer or a rapist. It's just a idiot, as far as they knew at the time, who writes stuff on the graves and destroys graves. So you can't like let parents, plus the parents had a lot on their plate. The last thing they did, it was to be catching criminals. It's insane. I don't know. I feel like police are supposed to do their jobs to avoid vigilante-like situations because those are never good. Like you said, like this is a whole, the entire story, it's a dubious story within dubious story in this case.
0: Well, here's another one. Moskvin was sentenced to pay the equivalent of $75,000 in damages to the family. One father said, I would not take anything from Moskvin. He treated my daughter better than I had during her life. He dressed her, put her to bed, read her fairy tales, and showed her cartoons.
1: I can't. Like, it's insanity. <laughs> can you imagine what miserable life this poor child had with her real family? And then even in death, she couldn't be left in peace. She ended up with Moskvin in his apartment. It's just heartbreaking. And also this father, like, what the f***, man? Like, how can you say that sh-? Mm.
0: I don't think there's one redeeming angle of this story.
1: No! is great like can't you see like even the like is like everybody involved on some level except the judges i guess and the, we'll talk about the but everybody else besides the trial people and so on everybody else seems to be i don't know a little off
0: so all in all authorities discovered 29 life-sized dolls in anatoly moskvin's apartment ranging in age from 3 to 25. he kept one corpse for nearly nine years the neighbors were shocked they said that the renowned professor was quiet and that moskman's parents were very nice people
1: every time a killer or pedophile or necrophile or necromancer or whatever is caught the neighbors always go oh the family were very nice people he was a bit quiet but respectful so for me when i hear quiet it's a re- it's a red flag
0: <laughs> but people call me quiet
1: yeah, you're a different quiet. You're not really quiet, quiet. Like, you talk a lot. So, you're like quiet in different ways. <laughs> like, you're sarcastic, quiet.
0: <laughs> the neighbors also said that a rancid smell emanated from his apartment whenever he opened the door.
1: Yeah, but look, see, that's. Ugh. Some articles say that the neighbors also said that they thought the smell was the stink of something that rots in the basements of all the local buildings. Which is true, like, many of these communist there are blocks of flats, have, like, bad trash evacuation systems, and sometimes, especially in the summertime, I mean, it doesn't, I'm not gonna say it stinks, but you can get, like, maybe a whiff of something from time to time, like, if you're in the hallway or, like, close to the to the trash chute, but, yeah. I
0: guess that makes sense. Moskvin's editor at Necrologies, Alexei Yesen, didn't think anything of his writer's eccentricities either. Many of his articles enlightened his sensual interest in deceased young women, which I took for romantic and somewhat childish fantasies the talented writer emphasized. He described Moskvin to have quirks but would not have imagined that one such personal oddity included the mummification of 29 young women and girls.
1: In court, Moskvin confessed to 44 counts of abusing graves and dead bodies. He said to the victim's parents, mm, You abandoned your girls. I brought them home and warmed them up. Oh, this mother like the nerve he has after he terrorized his parents. Can you imagine? Like even after, like,
0: ah. Well, this will explain everything. Anatoly Moskvin was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and sentenced to time in a psychiatric ward following this sentencing. Though, as of September 2018, he was faced with the opportunity to continue psychiatric treatment at home.
1: No, I mean, really, they let him be at home? That's not good, I don't think.
0: (laughs) The victim's families don't agree with this approach either. Natalia Chardimova, the mother of Moskvin's first victim, believes Moskvin should stay locked up for the rest of his life. This creature brought fear, terror, and panic into my life. I shudder to think that he will have freedom to go where he wants. Neither my family nor the families of other victims will be able to sleep peacefully. He needs to be kept under surveillance. I insist on a life sentence. Only under medical supervision, without the right of free movement.
1: Yeah, I don't know about life sentence because we're talking about a mental uh, condition, right? So. Only doctors can say when that has cleared or if it does clear. But like he ultimately didn't kill anyone. okay? like he didn't murder anyone. So in a sense, I can see why the judges, that's why I'm saying like, I think the judges, if you take your feelings out of it and look at the situation objectively, I think the judges pretty much put the ball in the court of the medical professionals which I think is the right decision. But at the same time, I think medical surveillance and help should be a constant for this guy until the time of his death. Because remember how he wanted to adopt a child? Not just any child. He specifically wanted a girl. And my instincts, based on his obsession with death, are telling me that at some point, he might have had the urge to make the living daughter into a doll. So having him roam around freely and be at home in the same environment, you know, with the cluster and the stuff everywhere and the same parents and the same uh, dynamics, I don't know. That doesn't seem healthy to me.
0: Well, local prosecutors agree with Chartimova's assessment and yours, even though psychiatrists say Moskvin, now in his early 50s, is improving.
1: I don't know how I feel about that. It seems he's not because... Anatoly Moskvin allegedly told authorities not to bother repairing the girls too deeply as he will simply unbury them when he is released. And I bet you, left to his own devices, he probably will try to do just that. His parents are old, that's another thing, and they are probably afraid of him. So, I don't know, it's just a bad situation to put him back at home with them.
0: Currently, his parents live in complete isolation as the entire community ostracizes them. So they have no friends, the family all scattered and wants nothing to do with them. It really is just a bad situation all around for anybody that was involved.
1: Yeah, this is what Natalia Chartimova, the mother of Moskvin's first victim, says. I still find it hard to grasp the scale of his sickening work. But for nine years, he was living with my mummified daughter in his bedroom. I had her for 10 years. He had her for nine.
0: So what's your dubimeter level for the doll collector slash necromancer case? Scale of one to ten.
1: Definitely a ten. I'd say a hundred, but our scale only goes to ten. I mean, there are too many dubious and morbid elements in this story to even count. Like, the one thing that I can't get out of my head is the music boxes inside the mummified bodies. I mean, plus the stories, you know, like, like his first victim, the little girl who was killed in her block of flats and was hidden there, and her parents thought she was missing for five months. I mean, the stories within the stories, the story with him and how his obsession with dead girls started with kissing that dead girl when he was 13, like the whole story is just a matryoshka, like you said, like it's, it's a dubious story, morbid story of matryoshka doll within matryoshka doll within, It it's just crazy. So. My dubimeter level is 10 plus, 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 plus. What's yours?
0: Mm, it seems everywhere you look it was weird and dubious. I'll go 9.8.
1: Okay, so we are in agreement. Our dubimeter level for Anatoly Maskvin and his doll collection, Made of Dead Girls, is a 9.9. If you guys want to let us know if you like this episode, please leave a five-star Apple review. That really, really helps us a lot. I don't understand exactly how, but the algorithm apparently helps other people with similar interests as yours to see our content.
0: We are at DubiousPod on all social media. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
1: We love you, Dubious. And don't forget, stay dubious.